Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot turn back. Yeah, welcome in to another rousing rendition of Libservative. I'm back. I am refreshed. He's back. I feel good. Intellectual idiots fostering political and cultural literacy. Bell the body snatcher on the ones and twos. He, as always, is Corey Walsh. And he's Dan Griffin. And I still got it. You still got it. I don't know if you clear. heard my intro, my intro last week, but it was much better than the last time you were absent. You and I nailed it up to the front. I was like, "And hey, welcome to another rousing rendition of the Absurdist <laughs> Podcast." Okay, Corey, <laughs> Corey, you just—you're not an entertainer like I am. Sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> and right now, I'm muting like- the mic because I'm farting. No, that's this is supposed to be an unmuted show, Corey. We have to have all of the farts, all of the farts, all the burps. I don't know if the audience oh. would like that. Um, I'm got a feeling our COVID audience. Boys, so I got the uh, the COVID, the COVID farts. I don't know if that's actually a symptom, but I'm going to say or, it is, or at least what you believe to be COVID. Yeah, maybe, mm. maybe. I don't know. Dude, I it, we were talking in the pre-show about it's funny now. But it really, it's really, it really shouldn't be about how in like if you'd like gone out of your house like two years ago, you would have been labeled a murderer. Yeah, <laughs> like they would have hung you at the stakes. Yeah. Like they would have waited two weeks till you weren't sick anymore, but then they would have came for you. Somebody on the on the Sterling Heights Facebook page would have taken a picture of you, going, "I know this motherfucker has COVID. He's out here killing people." It'd have been me just like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like in some goofy photo of me getting like turning my head like. Oh. You ever know? If you're, it's so interesting because you ever notice how like nobody's apologized for that. Like nobody's ever. Been, oh, yeah, sorry, I acted that way. On either side. Yeah, yeah. On either side, because the other side was just as insufferable. Yeah, because they were. Like, they this were shit's in, like fake. Yeah, they were like. In, <laughs> like people are like dying in, all around them. There's body bags in hospitals, and they're going, "This shit's fake." They're going to the grocery store and like intentionally coughing on people yeah, remember, remember that shit dude yes covid was weird <laughs> was there was people weird... intentionally coughing at people like <laughs> like because like because they would start off with someone going eh, you're not wearing a mask <laughs> and then someone would go <laughs> and it just like good job did society you, speaking of that did you hear re- i think it was on was it oh was it bill maher which which show was um uh disgraced governor andrew cuomo on uh, i think it was bill maher wasn't it i don't yeah know. it was bill maher he was on he was on bill maher and he's basically like doubling down on all of the horrible decisions that he made uh over oh, covid God. like sending sending you know uh six senior citizens from the hospital back to uh like back to the to the nursing homes which our governor here in michigan did something very very similar to very that. similar but i was actually gonna say it was it's wild right because they tried to paint her in the same brush to where she put steps in place to make sure that like they weren't that like the places they were sending the six senior citizens to 
on paper, she was like, yeah, make sure that they have their own staff. They have their own areas they can keep safe. Make sure they're quarantined from everyone else. And then she kind of just said all this and then was like, well, glad I don't got to worry about that anymore and washed her hands of it. But like none of that was followed because of the monetary incentive put in place by the state and the federal governments that these places were going, oh, yeah, we can hold them. We got broom closets. We got elevators. You stuff them in anywhere. We're going to make a buttload of cash (laughs) from this. And that's what they did. And then our government didn't follow through to make sure that they weren't following the guidelines she put in place. So where she fell short was not following up. And that led to a lot of old people dying in New York. They were literally just going, fuck it. (laughs) Just (laughs) stuff them in there. We don't have anywhere to put these people. We don't have anywhere to put these old farts. So there was definitely greatest generation. My ass government incompetent. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck them. (laughs) <laughs> there was terrible incompetence on both scenarios, but I think it's important to distinguish between the two of like our governor on the face was like, well, we probably shouldn't just do that. And then expected these privatized companies who are being incentivized a bunch of money that she would just trust them. And yeah, it was God. It was an interesting time. Yeah. And then Cuomo was like, uh, He's basically doing the whole like, well, you know, we were working with information that, uh, you know, we just didn't know what the hell was going on. Meanwhile, it was like, like September of 2020 or like November of, of 2020 still got schools closed down for longer than anybody else in the country. Like we knew by then that COVID wasn't affecting children. Thankfully, as we always say, you know, thank, thank the good Lord, baby Jesus, that, you know, COVID didn't affect kids. But it's like the second they found that out and he's like, oh, we got to keep. So it makes you it makes you wonder, right? Like it makes you wonder, like if you look back at COVID, you know, and uh, if you had more of a laissez faire like approach to it to like just let it be. I think you mean laissez faire. Laissez faire. Yeah. How many more deaths do you think there would have been versus them doing what they did? Because. In their, be completely honest, they, they was the best intentions. They were trying to keep people safe because they didn't know what else to do. So they just went, everyone just stay home. Do you think, like now seeing it three years later, like because of those things that happened, we have like a ridiculous high amount of inflation. Uh, people's personal privacy is infringed upon still to this day based on stuff put in place then. Um the depression rates, the isolation rates, the suicide rates, the mental health problems, kids being behind in college or not college, but like education, like younger kids, the social, the social, the social problems we're seeing with kids and stuff like that. Did we do what we are supposed to do? Hmm. Right? Like it's, it's, it's because we don't know what would have happened if they just did nothing. That that two million, like I forget well, what the death count that we've had in America, it's like three million or something like that. Would that number have been exponentially higher if we didn't do anything? But would we have lower inflation, lower suicide rates, and things like that versus us saving millions of lives and then all of the survivors dealing with kind of a lot of shit? Uh, I I know that's a weird think... question off the wall to ask, but like I just no, something I, I thought about. I don't think it's anything. Like, it's like the depression, right? been, I don't think anything would have been that much different as far as like physical lives lost because people died from COVID. But yeah, like would have a lot of those other things been maybe been better? 
Right. Like we had to do stimuluses. We had to do uh, like a four trillion bailout of the stock market that all of these different things that in, that uh, contributed to inflation that wouldn't have happened if they just kept the economy running and rolling. Oh, I and, see what you're asking. So, yeah, like, and so I guess like the way all I these, answer the third and fourth and fifth consequences of a shutdown. I guess the way I would answer that is all I think all it did was it um, made those things happen faster because we were already headed down that road. You think we were so? headed down that road? Yeah, we were already headed down that road. Maybe it made maybe it made those things happen faster. I don't know, three years faster, five years faster, ten years. Okay, faster. so know. then the next question is: Is getting that shit done faster and out of the way was that also beneficial <laughs> to the people? No, because nothing's changing. Nothing's That's changing. True. We're still doing but like, the I same just, shit. But I just I think about it to where it's like, like I I'm, I use. I'm still a proponent for FDR, like in a lot of stances and different things Ooh, he did. Ooh, that's 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 gonna but, get a lot of people upset, especially libertarians, Corey. But right, but but, but don't worry, libertarians, don't get your panties in a bunch. I'm about to say, you know, in the George Takei is angry with you. <laughs> in the three years that FDR was instituting like income tax and all of these different. Uh, policies and implementing all these different things to try to curb the the inflation or the great depression i mean um unemployment when he got into office was like 17 percent or something and then after three or four years of him implementing all these things like it, it basically didn't change to where it's like the what if scenario if he just let the economy ride itself out like they did in 1899 yeah a lot of people would have been fucked over but would the economy as a whole have been stronger afterwards? I don't know. It's a good. It's a good question. Right. So that's I'm, that's just my question. We're it's not like, we're not economists on this show. We have no. a basic. We have a pretty basic grasp of how the economy works. But right. I would not. I would. But like, so that's just that's just something I think about. Like, what would have what would have been the ultimate outcome of COVID if we just didn't do anything? Um. It's, 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 it's a question that you can't answer, but it's something worth pondering, right? Like, oh, what would have no, happened? I think I, I think I can answer that question. The answer is uh, we would certainly have um, we first of all, uh, school kids wouldn't be fucking four or five years behind like they are right now because they were already behind prior to covid. And then you had covid sending kids home. And, you know, we it, it's not hard to see what a disaster you know, uh, online learning was uh, for, for a lot of these kids. That put them even further behind. Uh, a huge, a, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, some excelled, some excelled, some fell behind. Yeah, it created a whole different tangent for some kids who didn't like the social aspect uh, of school that they did. Huge. But a large amount behind. of them, yeah. I don't know. Just something, just something to ponder, I think. Kids were already behind. I don't know. I, I don't, I think that uh, we certainly wouldn't be dealing with the. Um, overall sudden inflation that we're dealing with right now. But again, I, I, I feel like that was coming. That was coming down the pike yeah, anyway. That's frustrating because um, those prices aren't coming down. For, for various stuck. different reasons. They're called and sticky. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have kids so far behind. We wouldn't have had so many businesses closing. And then you, and then you still have this administration. And this isn't like a shit on Biden thing because Trump would be doing the same thing if he were president. So everybody, no, says, Biden takes on, all this credit for all this shit, but he came is, in on the tail end. 
What what I was going to say is like this. What I'm about to say isn't like a shit on Biden thing because Trump would be doing the same thing because every president does this where they it's just like the unemployment numbers are phony. It's, you know, unemployment is so low, but it only counts the people that are actually actively seeking work. And if Trump were president or Biden were president, they both had Fauci at the top. So it's like how different would things be had Trump won the 2020 election? I, I don't think they would have been a whole lot different if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Maybe Trump would have been smart enough to get rid of Fauci at some point, but at, at that point, it probably would have been too late. Let's be honest. Um, and yeah, so this, the, yeah. the, the phony jobs numbers yeah. and all that Fauci nonsense. Fauci himself, when you dig into it, like it took, for him to take any sort of real stance on anything, it took gay people taking the ashes of their lovers and spreading them on the White House lawn for him to actually start acknowledging the AIDS epidemic, so... Or the, fact that AZ, or the fact that AZT was fucking poison and killing people. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Yes, yes. Anyway, that's not how we wanted to start this show. I'm <laughs> no, I'm sorry to go for that little tangent. I just thought no, it was fine. It's just like, Dan, how was your honeymoon? Uh, it was good. I got to drink a lot of bourbon. I will say this. we um, So we went to Kentucky, did the bourbon trail, tried a bunch of... Uh, different uh, uh bourbons and went to i think how many did we go to four or five uh different distilleries and we stayed in like uh shout out to my louisville folks if you're listening you will know what i'm talking about we stayed in a neighborhood called clifton which is kind of like an like a a, a neighborhood that's kind of on the outskirts of downtown louisville like it's maybe a six minute drive um but it's one of those cool little neighborhoods that's got kind of its own main drag with bars and stuff on it and here's what I'm going to say. To all the people, like, I know Bridget Phetasy talks about this. I know a lot of the folks that, that are, like, from the Austin, Texas area, they talk about this. Like, the beauty of, of living in a city that is super fucking blue, surrounded by a red state. There is, like, there is just something about that dynamic that... I don't know how or why, but even in this crazy political environment we live in, it just works. It just creates it works, a balance, yeah. It works so well. And Louisville is one of those towns. Like if you're in if you're in the city, you're gonna you're gonna see gay pride flags everywhere, you're gonna see gay bars all over the place, like just like any other like liberal city in a red state. And it is it is really fucking cool because everybody weirdly gets along. Like they're all just like, hey, you're left, you live in the city. You lean to the right. Right now, you live over. You live over there, and it's because we. I don't think that's because we live in like an overall purple state here in Michigan. It's it's pretty goddamn purple, which has its own um, charms. Like there are things that are good about just living in an overall purple state. Um, But then you 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 think about these states that are ultra red or ultra blue, and. They're so fucking far removed from reality as to where when you have these metropolitan areas in uh, red states that are super fucking blue, everybody was so nice. You could tell that there were people that were on different sides of the political spectrum, like intermingling with each other. They didn't argue with each other. They didn't fight with each other. I mean, not that I was paying that close attention, but you could just it was just like this overall vibe that I got from being in downtown Louisville. It's something that I would... I would actually, it's like, I would like to live in that situation. So I I just jumped in to say, I, in September, actually spent a good amount of time 
in it was about an hour outside of Louisville in Kentucky. And it's the same. Mm-hmm. They have like these little cities where, you know, most of the policies are democratic. And then outside the city, it's Kentucky. It's exactly <laughs> what you, it's, it's exactly what you'd expect. But there's like it's it's really all love. In Kentucky. Yeah, they don't. There's not I, a lot of. Yeah, no. I I said last week in the show with Dan, you weren't here because you were on a honeymoon in Kentucky, and uh, <laughs> Bell went to Kentucky for a wedding, and then I decided to say that Kentucky was for lovers. Yeah, it's weird. It, it's a state. Uh, let, let's give some. We can give Kentucky some love for a little for a minute because it's uh it's not everybody that lives there is Mitch McConnell. <laughs> not, not everybody looks like a turtle. Uh, yeah, it's or who's the other one? Uh, like Mitch McConnell ain't even that bad compared well, to uh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham's not Kentucky. He's he's uh, not. Are you more, sure he's not Kentucky? Carolina's no Rand Paul. Rand Paul, it's is it Rand Paul and uh, yeah. yeah, Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The good, the bad, respect. and the ugly. I got respect for Rand Paul, not so much for Mitch McConnell. I actually, I wish I had taken a little bit of time to ask some more Kentuckians how they actually feel about Mitch McConnell. Oh yeah, you should have. <laughs> that's that's right, the thing is, like, <laughs> that's why I need to travel more because you know I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially if you get a couple cocktails in you. Oh, yeah. And media, I'm like, who wants to talk politics? Bring it on. Let's fucking talk about it. But anyway, I cannot drink nine Dan Hattons and try to talk politics because I have marble mouth and I'm just. I now have my own cocktail, which our listeners should know. I should I should market that shit and sell it. You should. The Dan Hatton. Yeah, I I now have my own cocktail. For anybody who wants the recipe, I won't give it to you, but I'll make you one. Tell me where you live. I'm coming over. There you go. He's going to be peering through the windows, knocking on the doors, saying, let me in. Like the government. Uh, <laughs> Just like the government, brother. <laughs> Corey, uh, we're 20 minutes in. We got we to gotta get into this here. Sports are just like politics for jocks. Sport, I'm sorry. Sports are just politics for jocks. Yeah. I don't know if anybody noticed, but I'm wearing my uh, 1997 uh, Michigan National Champions hat. I'm also wearing my my dad sweatshirt with the uh, the block M on it here, and you might be thinking, Dan, you've yelled at Corey multiple times. This isn't a sports podcast. I know, so that makes. I was, I was just gonna say something about that. Like we're making Dan do his old. We're getting to Dan's alma mater here. This is what I used <laughs> to do. I, I used to do sports podcasting. I got out of it to go into a political <laughs> podcast, and then I realized, oh my god, they're, they're exactly d- the same. <laughs> <laughs> It's, that's why that's why I have I, I have so much fun doing it. But uh, the reason we're sitting here talking about sports being just politics for jocks is because we have if if maybe you're not a sports person listening to our show, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, but the University of Michigan is in a little bit of trouble for possibly cheating by stealing. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, off-site scouting, which is a rule in the NCAA that is illegal. You can't send somebody into another team's stadium to scout them for uh, games that take place within the same season. It's Instituted a stupid rule. in 1994. Yep. It's a stupid fucking rule, and the only reason it, it exists is because in 1994, a school like fucking uh, uh, Bowling Green University maybe couldn't afford to send scouts to other um other schools to scout games 
So it's 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 a it's a dumb rule to start with, yeah. but also. I think the thing that makes this most important is the school that it is. Now, you might see me sitting here wearing this Michigan gear, going, well, you're biased. And the truth is, yeah, that's part of it. I am a little bit biased. But I also know, because I've been a Michigan fan for so long, I know how ridiculous our fan base is. We are fucking annoying. I have no problem admitting that that's the case. Um, Mike Mulaney, Walmart Wolverines. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan is the most hated college football program in america and it, it's 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 not close in a lot of ways it's the most beloved it's got the most uh uh michigan has the most alumni throughout the country uh so it's it's a situation where i'm, I'm looking at this and i'm going how much of the allegations against michigan are real and how much of them are a witch hunt and that's not even actually that important the important thing is how it relates to politics. And how it relates to politics is this. The story comes out that Michigan is allegedly stealing signs and everybody's got an opinion right away. Everybody's an expert. Everybody goes, oh, they were definitely cheating. Uh, suspension, yada, 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 this, 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 and this. And I'm going, if this were, I don't know, the University of Kentucky's football program, for example, who is not a great not a great football school, great basketball school at UK, not so much football. Would this be a big story? Right. If this were if the University of Purdue. Minnesota, would this be a big story? Yeah. Maybe not. Also, where this ties into politics a little bit is where you get an independent investigation that happened allegedly by a family member of coach ryan day of the ohio state football team and there's been no official investigation and the big 10 and the ncaa are already ready to hand down disciplinary action or you know discipline michigan for it and you have 11 state legislatures or legislators writing letters to the big 10 demanding an official investigation into the sign stealing before any disciplinary action is taken. Whoa, wait, there's legislators involved. This is new. I didn't oh, know this. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this it's, is this is this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is ridiculous. First of all, it's a dumb rule. It's a dumb rule in, in, to start with, and then you have everybody sitting there and pretending like somehow sign stealing is this unbelievable like you have big 10 coaches actually pissed off about losing games because michigan stole signs it's like bro you got your ass whooped like your team didn't go out there and perform that's that's i guess a little bit of a difference between sports and politics is like politics are just kind of in a vacuum they are kind of what kind of what they are but in sports, like you could cheat and steal the signs and whatever, and that could be against the rules in, in one way, shape, or form. But at the end of the day, you still got to go out and perform on on the field. And Michigan's out here whooping ass, yeah, dominating yeah, no. teams. And uh, TCU used fake signs in one play the game. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, no, and then like, and that's the thing too is like. Apparently, like this stuff. Remember in 2022, when Michigan played Ohio State, 
They changed their signs because they thought Michigan might be stealing them. And they still got their asses beat. Purdue did that just last week. Still yeah. got bushwhacked. But so the reason why I thought this was like so super interesting is first off, like personally, the cognitive dissonance that we usually try to put ourselves above when it comes to our political podcast and talking about how when people that we like and they falter, we're pretty good at actually calling them out and like calling out people's bullshit when they fall short of where we think that their standards should be. Principles. But is the principles, right? But as soon as my team, my dear team, <laughs> Michigan, all of this stuff was coming out against them, I was sitting here and doing cartwheels in my head of just like, well, I mean, like, come on, all the other teams have to do it too. Oh, come on. Like, all right, it might have just been this one guy, but co- like this guy obviously is crazy. He wrote a manifesto of 600 pages. It's probably just him and no one else. The, uh, Harbaugh shouldn't be held accountable. And uh, then it's, and then, you know, I'm like, oh, like what? You, you know what I mean? So it's, I guess that I am not immune to cognitive dissonance. So like I like to, like I've crafted myself to be, I think, pretty well. Like I still fall short, but pretty well in like pol- the political stance. You know but why? But when it Corey, came to sports, personally, it was like, <gasps> do you know why? Do you know why the the cognitive dissonance thing is happening to you right now? Because you are not emotionally invested in like a political party or a political candidate anymore. I'm emotionally I'm invested. Way. Yes, you are life. emotionally invested in the University of Michigan. I am. Yep. Winning football games. That's what's that's and that's another similarity between sports and politics. And why they're almost exactly the same. Where you just have you just have this irrational loyalty to this to this entity that has nothing fucking to do with your life. It doesn't give a life. fuck about me. It doesn't give a fuck about you. <laughs> I call I tell Corey this all the time. I'm like, I know you love Michigan because I love Michigan too, but let's be real. When we talk about this, like them playing the game, you know, like what's realistic, and it's the same thing. But I also think the NCAA is such a joke, mm. so it's tough for me. It's the absolutely NCAA a joke. joke. Oh yeah, it's just like the two-party system is a joke. <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah, only no, one party. There's, there's only a million variables to it. But uh, like the, well, there's only one party in politics too. Yeah, the uniparty. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Oh. Dude, and then the narratives, exploded. right? The narratives that just immediately started coming out. And conspiracy theories. There are conspiracy oh theories like, about right now what's going on with Michigan. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't been paying attention to it, the guy where the whole when the whole like when the other shoe fell off the foot uh is about this guy Connor Stallions, and he was just this low grade analyst who worked for the team. He was on the sidelines, and apparently what he was doing was paying people to go to other games and record it with his phone, which sounds absolutely absurd <laughs> when you actually say it. But like we mentioned earlier, it's supposed to be illegal according to uh, like the bylaws and the NCAA in the, uh, in the games. And so now there's all this stuff coming out to where now there's photos coming out of sideline sidelines of teams like CMU where they're like, Oh, is this him? <laughs> is yeah. he there? Yeah. And, then, yeah. and now, and now all of a sudden, now there's this stuff coming out to where someone, an, an anonymous person, just like in politics, an anonymous voice came out and said that they had all the signs of Michigan, that they were 
dispersing and circulating around other teams of Michigan signs for them. And so interesting question I have for you boys is, is that if let's say Ohio state plays Michigan and they're sitting there and they're watching the signs, right? They're watching all their signs being played and they're jotting down what they think, what each sign means and stuff like that. And then they give that to Purdue who played Michigan in the big 10 championship. Is that advanced scouting the same thing that Michigan is being charged for? Does it make a difference if someone's on the sideline or if someone's in the stands? Honestly, I, I would have to read. It's I would have to read like the rules of of the NCAA, but I would have to believe that that would fall under something akin to collusion. Okay, is that is that one of the bylaws? And I have no idea. I don't know if that's illegal or not, but it. Sounds like if you can't go to a game and scout a team for yourself, for your own team's own personal use. If a bunch of other teams are giving you that information. Yeah, yeah. you probably shouldn't be allowed to collude against one team. I'm just, I don't know if that's a rule or not, but it, if it, one sounds a lot worse than the other one, to be honest with you. And it ain't what Michigan was doing. Right. Yeah. Cause now we're talking about collusion. Now we're talking about like what the, depending how legality and, how much the law is getting involved. This could be called a fucking Rico case. (laughs) (laughs) Really, the problem was that I think the problem, like because of the whole sideline thing, I think it's because when he was on the Central Michigan sideline that they were a different divisional school. So what what are they? What they were playing state on that game. Exactly. That's the problem. So and it was in state stadium. So like. Where the fuck was state security? Right. That's not CMU security that's supposed to do this. That's state. Right. So I think I think that's the only thing they have going for them. But I think th- to answer your question personally, what I believe is, yeah, it makes a difference if they're in the stands or if they're on the sidelines. Because if they're on the sidelines, they're not paying for a ticket. Then it's obvious, you know, like it's an obvious spying thing. But it. Opposite teams buying tickets to go sit in the stands and study the other team, that's nothing new. That's literally been happening forever. Not to mention, can we can we talk about this for just a second? Like granted, you can't see the sidelines and you can't obviously can't film the sidelines, but the games are on TV. Right. <laughs> like, like, I mean the games are on TV. You can you can watch you can watch the teams, you can watch their signals, at least at least like from the quarterback or the middle linebacker's perspective. So I don't know. I just, it's one of those situations where was a rule broken? It seems like, like, and I'm a Michigan slappy, and I'll admit this, certainly seems like a rule was broken. By whom and who knew about it? You can't convince me that Jim Harbaugh knew this was going on. And here's why. Here's why. Jim Harbaugh Harbaugh had Connor Stallions hired to do a job. Do you know what that job was? You're good. Be an analyst. His job was to decipher fucking signals by the other team. That was his job. So he went out and maybe did he take his job a little bit further than it should have gone under the rules? Yeah, maybe. But like, there's, I don't think there's any way you could possibly prove that Jim Harbaugh knew what was going on. 
I'm not going to sit here and say that he didn't. I don't think there's any possible way you could prove that he didn't. Michigan doesn't think he did. They're ready to go to the legalities to it. But he hired he hired a lawsuits. man. He hired a man to do a job. This man did that job, and maybe broke the rules while doing it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, how do you? I mean, and they he may resigned have, when he got caught. I'm I'm a Michigan slappy as well, <laughs> but. <clears throat> The way that I think about it is everybody breaks that rule. Everybody's doing that. Everybody's been doing it for literally 80 years, right? It's starting to come out. But you're also, on the other aspect, like I said, the NCAA is a joke. It almost feels like people are out to get Michigan. And you know people are out to get Michigan. Bell, you just... But they did break the rule. They broke the rule. You just completely segued into like the number one point I wanted to make with regards to this case uh, applying to politics, which is that I know now what it felt like to be a Trump supporter in 2016. (laughs) That is what, seriously, like that's what. Damn. That is what this. The witch hunt. Yes, like the witch hunt, the defending your person, defending your team, defending your guy at all costs for for whatever reason. Like this is what Trump supporters went through in 2016, where like just being a Michigan fan right now. Oh, you support cheaters. You you're you're you love cheaters, and then like back at back in 2016, it was like you're you support racism. You support a racist candidate. It's like "Mm, it's not why I support this team. It's probably not why a lot of people supported Donald Trump back in 2016. You get what I'm saying? You, you oh, following yeah. me, Corey? Absolutely, I'm feeling, yeah. You know what I it feels like to be a saying. Trump supporter in 2016, though, don't you? That's 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 why I wanted this topic to be talked about, because of the way that the two worlds collided and the way narratives are spun and the way that, like I said again, the cognitive Conspiracy theories the grow. Conspiracy theories and all this stuff and... People are just guilty until proven innocent. Like, like all of it, all of it. It's well, that's, all of it that's, attributes or it's, it's that, coincides with how politics are treated. That's what's so interesting. Where like, if the Big Ten comes out and, and suspends Jim Harbaugh, uh, and and like we see this all the time in politics. We saw it all, you know, a, a lot with like the way the establishment wanted to treat Donald Trump, right? We see, uh, so like if the Big Ten comes out and suspends Jim Harbaugh before there's an investigation, before he's found to have known anything, you know, before he's gotten, you know, whatever the college football equivalent of due process is. um, Now you're setting a precedent to where if we find out, and I think we're going to, just calling it right now, that other schools are doing similar things. Well, now you have to suspend everybody. Like what do you do? Like does no does no college football team have a head coach for three weeks or four weeks now? Because they all have to now they all have to be suspended. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know, Dan. I'm just gonna drink my yingling. <laughs> yingling, not distributed in Michigan. Yeah, it's weird. I brought I bought two thirty racks on my way back from uh from Kentucky. It is, you know what? It's funny because Michiganders call it overrated because it's a special Michigan thing. I think it is a goddamn good beer, especially for the price. Yeah, it's not bad. I just think that it's uh, overrated here because you probably, can't get it here. probably, it's a good but, beer, but it's nothing crazy. 
It's better than oh. drinking Miller or Bud. It's not special, but I would put it ahead of like Sam Adams. I'd put it above Sam Adams. It's just as Corey. good as fucking Miller Lite. No, it's better. Far That's what better I said. It's Miller way Lite. better than Miller Lite. As I said, it's better than Miller and it's better than Bud. No, I'm telling you, the only reason I, like me personally, would drink a Yingling over a Miller Lite is because of the accessibility. Oh, it's not the fact that it's a better beer. It is a far <laughs> superior beer. I don't know. They taste a little bit better, I guess. But They're like, full flavored, like, dude. As far as like American lagers go. It's the oldest th- one in the nation. I think Yingling is, <laughs> is among the best American lagers in the country. I'll agree with that. And I'm not, I'm not in like an American. I would drink it over guy. Budweiser, 100. percent And, and I'm sorry, I'm mixing, I'm mixing Miller Lite with Miller High Life. <laughs> I was about if to I, say you, if if you had a cold Yingling in front of, like, like you, you here in Michigan, if I had a cold Yingling in front of me or a cold Miller High Life, I would take the Yingling because I know that it might be a long time before I'm offered a Yingling again. <laughs> if I had to go and spend a month. In like Ohio, Kentucky, or whatever, that first three weeks, I'd probably be drinking Yingling, but eventually, I'd be like, "Ah, I want a Miller High Life." That's crazy to me. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't touch a a Bud product or a Miller product. Well, Corey, next week, if it's too cold to play disc golf, you guys can come over. We'll have a Yingling. I'll pour you guys an autumn old fashioned. I'll absolutely have a Yingling because I don't have access to fucking Yinglings. (laughs) That sounds beautiful, Dan. <laughs> then you'll sip on it. And you'll go, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty goddamn good American lager. Well, that's the thing. I'm not an American lager guy. I'm a bitter beer guy. I like IPAs, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but, but when it comes to. I'm not a huge IPA fan. American lagers. Mm, Juicy IPAs and stuff are good. But uh, a brewer back when I worked in the brewery industry uh, said it best. He goes, there's so much you can do with beer, whether it's like the lagers, the stouts, the porters, the IPA, or not, not he was talking about the IPAs, but like the uh, the ales, all these different things, the pilsners, to just cram as much fucking hops as you can into a beer is just lazy. Well, I don't I disagree. I think there's a lot of people that like hops. I'm a I like hops. They you like IPAs. Yeah, I like. I'm just, I like I'm a just high, not a fan beer. of IPAs because they say that they say the same thing about they say the same thing about like high rye bourbons, just cramming as much rye into it as you possibly can to get the to get the spice content up. People call that lazy too, and it's like, no, nah, it's some people just like high rye bourbons. I like a good sometimes I because I, I like all kinds of bourbons, but like when I'm in the mood for like a spicy peppery bourbon, it's generally going to be pretty high rye. That's fair. I'm also a guy who likes sour beers. But not bitter beers. Difference. There's a difference. There's a very big difference between a bitter beer and a sour beer. Corey put me at well, there's the sour ales and then they have the goza ales. Corey put me on the gozas, which mm. I'm addicted to. Like gozas are so like good. Crackhead. Sour ales, they're okay. But gozas, man, they're like they're different. Like you get the masagaves or I got from Founders, you get the green zebra. It just has, it has that twang to it, and it's so good. Oh, green zebras are definitely hold a special place in my heart. Green zebras, good. Green zebras, a fine, a fine malt liquor beverage. 
<laughs> it's good. All right, we've we got we've gone off the rails here. You want to talk about Donald Trump, or you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Donald Trump. All right, let's talk about old, old Donny J. We left we left off talking about Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald and it's, Trump. it's a nice roundabout because me and Bell last week were kind of uh, rubbing on his knobs. So, ooh, you were just talking about how he was a terrible president, but not uniquely terrible. It's like I and told like, Corey, I hate when I I hate when I have to tell people don't make me defend Donald Trump. <laughs> That's when you know you're in a just a not a winning conversation when you have to defend him. Uh, so Donald Trump, this is something that guys, yeah, not talking about this thing. But let's talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> if Donald is, Trump is, comes up, I mean, this has come back to the fore uh, recently. Um, his uh, uh, schedule it was his schedule F. This. Um, Executive order that he had <clears throat> planned to put into place as of, uh, God damn it! Now I got the hiccups. That um, fucking yingling, as, I told you. As of October, it doesn't give me gas though, uh, as like Hams does. That beer just absolutely just gives me <laughs> this. Hams is literally just wringing out the towels they use to clean up some other beer, and they just put it in cans, and then they call it a day, and then recarbonated it. Uh, so the Schedule F policy was, uh, executive order was designed back in October of 2020. Um, I'm on the wrong goddamn page. Oh, here we go. Donald Trump in his campaign for a potential second term has proposed a plan that involves a significant restructuring of the federal government. Corey, am I on, am I on the right track so far? Yes. Here are some of the key points. Uh, Trump and his supporters have developed detailed proposals for executing this plan they aim to convert thousands of career employees into appointees who can be fired at will by the president of the united states uh they plan to assert full white house control over agencies including the department of justice uh they have operated as either full that have i'm sorry that have operated as either fully or partially independent government departments for decades the plan includes uh, working on strategies that could potentially strip layers of the Justice Department, uh, including the FBI, and reaching into national security, intelligence, and the State Department and the Pentagon. So before I continue, I might not even have to because Corey and I tend to get off into a tangent after these things. What I will say is, on the surface, these are the things that I kind of like about Donald Trump. And there aren't many things that I like about Donald Trump. But like the rhetoric about shrinking the FBI and, you know, uh, and certain other federal agencies that we aren't big fans of. But that's not really what he's doing. Right. It's, it's kind like, of what it sounds like. He's he, what he's what he's doing is trying to take these um, take these departments, take these these semi independent agencies and making them work for him. So right. what's different? But I'll right. let you go, Corey, right, to, after this, yeah. right after this, right after this, right after this, I'll let you go. Um, so, so what makes it different is that he's able to expose how our current, whatever you want to call it, deep state, you know, uh, status quo, whatever it is, whatever label you want to put on it. He's exposing how they use these departments and these, these arms of the federal government and why they're bad. And that's a good thing. I like that part of it. The thing that Trump sycophants don't seem to understand is that he doesn't actually want to get rid of these things. 
No, he he's wants such, to make it in favor of who? He wants to work. He wants it to work for him. Right. He wants to. The he narcissist wants to, of Donald Trump. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say earlier. It was like, Go ahead. Yeah, Take he, it wants, away, Corey. he wants to make these people. I can hear you. I'm going to piss. He wants to make these people appointed uh, people in office, right? But who is that in favor of? Not the American people, in favor of him. He also, so he's going straight kingsmanship and his like whole authoritarian plan for presidency in 2024, where he wants to expand the presidential power over semi-independent agencies, such as the Federal Trade Commission and the Federal Reserve, expanding the executive branch's power. He wants to be able to fire civil servants at will, even those with civil service protections, by using the executive order known as Schedule F, which we were just talking about. Uh, he wants to he wants to do things like impounding funds allocated by Congress for programs or policies that he disagrees with. He wants to purge potentially thousands of federal employees and filling career posts with loyalists to him and his America First ideology, and preparing for legal challenges and defenses that might go before Trump-friendly judges all the way to the 6-3 Supreme Court. So that last part about the whole uh, Trump-friendly judges and putting them in front of the Supreme Court. So I think that when Trump, if he gets elected again, which it's looking like based on polls, when it goes straight down to just between Biden and Trump, he's got a pretty good shot, unfortunately, because the Democrats are just piss poor at selecting good candidates. Um if he actually does get into office again, a lot of these things might face course cha court challenges. And based on how the courts treated him last time when he was expecting them all to just be on his side during the whole election fraud scheme he had, they didn't side with him. So I'm not afraid that the, that the judges will go against him on this stuff. But his ideas of coming in is like he literally wants to make America into a monarchy. It's it, it, and it, he wants to go after the people who disparaged him, like but, uh, what was that's his name? The point I was gonna Barr, make. Bill Barr. He wants to go against all these people who didn't just unequivocally just show loyalty and have his back against them, and, and that's, that's authoritarianism. How textbook much of definition? This, so, and that's that's what's so interesting, right? Because like when you talk about the whatever whatever you want to call it again, like you know the deep state or the status quo or whatever it is coming out against him, and we have called certain portions of what's happening to Donald Trump, which we're not going to get into tonight, But because go back and listen to prior episodes, it's there, um, how we've called like certain aspects of what's happening to him a witch hunt, because I think that's fair. I really do think that's fair, um, as awful as I think he is. How much of this is like a second, third, and fourth order consequence of just trying to take down Donald Trump because now you have a Donald Trump that wants to that wants to enter the presidency again and go on a fucking revenge tour. Yeah. Cuz that's what that's what we're talking about right now, isn't it? Yeah. It's exactly what it is. So if if this was a, a matter of of like Donald Trump wanting to reduce the scope and power of the FBI. Like thumbs up for me. I'm like I think any any libertarian out there would say the same thing. Like I'm all for that. Um and, and, and just, but and just it's like getting rid of the tropes of the FBI that just go after him. You know that's exactly. what it's going to come down to. Exactly. It's not actually reducing the scope and power of the FBI. It's not actually it's, reducing the scope and power of the It's not going after government. the FBI who's infiltrating different uh, activist groups and creating criminals to make themselves look good. You know, he loves that shit because he and, hates and just, Antifa. And to be clear, 
to, and to be clear, like we're just using the FBI as an example. It's really just a small portion of this. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it's him trying to take the scope and power of the federal government and tilting it towards him as the narcissist that he is. Mm-hmm. Like, just like in the perfect phone call, in quotations. That's why, dude, that's why Trump is so fucking nuanced, and people don't want to admit that. Like they just well, don't want is to he nuanced, it. or is it just simple? He's just a narcissist. No, 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 not not him personally, but like the the. The aura around Trump. The narratives and the... The Trump presidency. Like, it's so nuanced because he he really has... And he probably didn't do this on purpose, let's be honest. But he's he really has done a great job of exposing the establishment for what it is. I, I think I can actually credit Donald Trump more than anybody else for exposing what the... Like, what is so awful about a big government more than anybody else. And yeah, that and making everyone pay attention to politics. Those are two things that I will unabashedly give Trump credit for. Yeah, so like for good or ilk. Trump Ill. supporters, Trump supporters chill out. Like this isn't this isn't a good thing <laughs> as far as like um exposing or reducing i should say the size and scope of the federal government right and then like and also trump supporters get a fucking grip because like we have record inflation we're like on the precipice of world war three uh housing is terrible and mental health in our country is terrible social security and medicaid are on the brink of failing and this is what we want from a president just retribution that's what we want like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I Dude, want a forward that's, thinker. That's I don't want so some bad. geriatric like, fucking doofus. Call well, me dude, an atheist. I don't give a shit. If you listen to his sycophants, it's they're like they're still right there with him, man. They 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 want retribution. Small brain thinking, man. That's small brain thinking. I'm not saying that the people that support him are small brain, but I'm think I'm saying on the scope of it all, you're not seeing the forest through the trees because okay, ooh. Four years, big whoop, he might be president again. What comes after that? What about your kids? What about the future? Well, you're yeah, going to be now, out, be out to 40 give, years from now when like your kids don't have a future and you can go, well, at least we got those Democrats. Now you, give, now you give that status quo more power to come back and be like, see? See how dangerous it is when we have a guy like Donald Trump uh, as the president? He makes, he makes the government agencies work for him. You know, it's it's so it's it just keeps going back and forth. Yeah. Like it's it's and we haven't really talked a whole lot about like RFK's stance on 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 uh, on Israel. I think we talked about it a little bit. Um uh. that kinda made yeah, that kinda made me go, okay, uh maybe this guy isn't uh isn't the best. And I wasn't sure that he was, but I was willing to give him a chance, right, Corey? Like that's kinda how you felt as well. Well you give him a chance, let's hear him out. Um but like his his overall stance on being anti-establishment is so much better than Donald Trump's. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Trump, so that's where Trump and DeSantis are almost exactly alike, right? They just want to expand the power of the state to take down their detractors. Mm-hmm. But Trump just does it on anyone who just talks about him personally. He could get two shits about the LGBTQ community and... Get two well, and two- Trump... And Trump is funny, charismatic, and in some ways, some ways, likable. 
uh, depending on who you are. DeSantis is none of those things. DeSantis, right. DeSantis he was on. Did you did you hear him on? You probably didn't. Did you hear? No, but I know he wears heels. Patrick Bet David. <laughs> that was the Patrick Bet David. That was the Patrick Bet David interview where it's like this is how you know that. Ron DeSantis is so fucking unlikable because Patrick Bet David gave him a little bit of a hard time on, on certain various issues. But then, like, he brought up the shoes that Ron DeSantis likes to wear. And they, they do. They look like they're fucking heels that make him a little bit taller. And he's like, uh, Patrick Bet David's like, well, how tall are you? He's like, I don't know, you know, I'm 5'11. And then just playing a joke, Patrick Bet David, like, gave him a pair of nice shoes that he bought or, like, pulled out a, a pair of nice shoes that he bought to give Ron DeSantis. And, like, any, like, charismatic, like, decent politician, like, I think even Donald Trump would have handled it like this. Instead of doing what Ron DeSantis did, where he's like, I'm I'm sorry, I don't take gifts. Like, he felt like he was insulted by this. Felt like he was insulted by Patrick Bet David. (laughs) Any charismatic person would have just been like, ah, that's cute, that's funny, that's a very, that's a very nice gesture, um, but I can't accept it. Right, or do a little joke, like, I'll put those next to the Crocs I never wear. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, nice. like something yeah, you know silly. I mean? Like, how like, easy is it to do that? That's a that's a very nice gesture, but unfortunately, I can't accept any gifts. But all he did before Patrick Bet David even got the fucking shoes, I was like, I'm sorry, I can't accept gifts. Like, super fucking rigid. He's just so unlikable. He's DeSantis is just an atrocious candidate in so many different ways. And the polls reflect it. Oh yeah, he's bad. Make Florida, um, make America Florida. <laughs> God damn, am I glad about that because DeSantis is way scarier than Trump ever is. And like, he's probably fine as a governor. Like, I'm not a Floridian. I'd have to like ask other. I've been there recently. <laughs> I've been to Florida. Governors. But it's like, it's, he might be okay as a, like a Florida governor. I don't know. I, I have no idea how people actually feel about him in Florida, but it's like, that sounds like a pretty good career, dude. Like, just hang out there. People love you there. Like, just chill you're good you don't need to run for president nobody wants you anyway and nobody wants you go home good day to you fellow intellectual idiots if you're this far into the show we're guessing that you probably like it so we'd just like to ask you to hit pause and on whatever platform you're listening just leave us a quick review it really does help us grow and gives us an opportunity to bring you even more great content in the future And we'd also like to ask you to just press that share button and just send this episode to one friend that you think might be interested in our line of conversation. The best way for podcasts to grow in the sea of millions of podcasts really is through word of mouth. So every little bit helps and we appreciate you all. So let's get back to the show. Uh, You want to talk about the Supreme Court next? Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Ah, Supreme Court, domestic violence, guns, a recipe for a bad soup. So I got a little bit of an article that we could read for this. It's not terribly long, but we can do the thing we do. But uh, so just to set it up, uh, Supreme Court leans toward upholding law that bars the those accused of domestic violence from having firearms. Now, I don't like the word accused. I'd rather say the word convicted, but. I don't write these laws and I'm not the one that's the judge of all this, but the Supreme court indicated Tuesday, it would uphold a federal law that prohibits under domestic violence, restraining orders from owning firearms, potentially limiting the scope of its own major gun rights ruling last year. 
The case gives the court's 6-3 conservative majority a chance to consider the broad ramifications of the 2022 decision, which for the first time found that there is a right to bear arms outside the home under the Constitution's Second Amendment. The ruling in a case called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, which, Bell, can you look that up real quick? Uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. They made it clear that gun restrictions had to be analyzed based on a historical understanding of the right to bear arms. As such, the decision raised questions about many existing gun restrictions that gun right activists say are not anchored in historical tradition. But during oral arguments, the justices appeared to, re- to be receptive to Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelegar's argument that the prohibition fits within the long tradition of disarming people who are considered dangerous to society. The, that principle is firmly grounded in the Second Amendment's history and tradition, Prelegar said. Throughout our nation's history, legislators have disarmed those who have committed serious criminal conduct or, those, or, ho- or whose access to guns pose a danger. Conservative Justice Amy Coney Barrett who was in the majority in the 2022 case, indicated she agreed with Prilagar, saying that the legislator can make judgments to disarm people consistently with the Second Amendment based on dangerousness. Although, Which is funny because I saw this whole back and forth to where they were talking about what dangerousness is. Very subjective language. Which is subjective. And so the, ju- the, the, the Supreme Court justices were actually like discussing that. Like, what is dangerous? Like, and I forget what the actual cause was. Someone was like, yeah, uh, what was it? They attributed it to like walking into traffic or something like that. Like that's dangerous, but I forget, I forget exactly what it is. So I'm going to, I'm going to let that one lie. Although some conservative justices seem concerned that it's too easy for state courts to disarm people accused of domestic violence, there is not the legal question before the, that is not the legal question before the court, which concerns only the federal prohibition. No justices indicated they were inclined to strike the law down because there was no history of domestic violence, gun possession, bans dating to the nation's founding. Zaki Rahimi, a Texas man whose partner obtained a restraining order against him in February of 2020, argues that he cannot be prosecuted under the federal gun possession restriction in light of what the Supreme Court concluded. And can we just say before you continue that Corey probably butchered that name, so we apologize. Uh, I don't know if I did, actually. What did I say? <laughs> Z-A-C-K-E-Y-R-H-I-M-I. Very Midwestern. But I, what I did want to do, though, real quick, is show you a picture of this doofus. Because <laughs> why is it always the patchy beard fucks who look who are always the ones who are fucking shit up and doing things? Like, look at this dude. Al- like, almost always a buzz cut. Almost always some form of buzz cut. Yeah. Like, look at that patchy beard. He just yeah. looks like he shaved his pubes off his dick. And it's either it's face. It's either a buzz cut or they got those. He's a curly headed fuck. Yeah. I, well, I have a patchy beard, Corey. I'm not a domestic, but abuser. you don't grow it out like a psychopath. Say, <laughs> so Dan, Dan, look at this guy. And then look at this guy. And then look at yourself. Um, I, don't have dead eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have dead eyes. And you don't grow up beard, your patchy beard pretending that it's just normal. Well, I, I've, tr- I've tried that once before. And then you're like, wow, I look like a domestic violence. If I try to, 
if I try to let my beard grow out, like, it, are the odds of me striking my wife? Do they go up as my patchy beard grows out? Is With every centimeter. <laughs> There's probably a formula no, for that. Y- you He's... move up to pressure cooker. <laughs> oh. But was that, lawyer... a, was that a Boston bombing joke, Bell? Did they have patchy? They had patchy beards. A, a didn't reference. They? What do you say? What do you say? A, a reference. <laughs> what did you say? I missed it. He said it was a reference to the a Boston bombing joke. <laughs> they all have patchy beards. All the fucking psychos have patchy beards. But his lawyer, Jay Matthew Wright, faced hostile questions from the justices. Liberal Justice Selena Kagan said he seemed to be hesitant to acknowledge the broad ramifications of striking down the federal law. I feel like you're running away from your argument. You know, you know, because the implications of your argument are just so untenable. The federal provision is just one of many federal and state laws, some of which are longstanding to have been challenged in the light of the Supreme Court's 2022 ruling. In several cases, federal judges have ruled that other federal gun restrictions also violate gun rights, including one that prohibits felons from possessing guns and another that bars people under 21 from buying firearms. A separate provision that uses that users of legal drugs from possessing firearms has drawn scrutiny too, in part because Hunter Biden, the president's son, has been charged with violating it and has indicated he will mount a constitutional challenge. Whatever the Supreme Court, which is also funny, right? Mm, yeah, he, very funny. He went and he bought guns while he was using drugs. And now lied. he's trying and lied about it. And now he's trying to say that his Second Amendment rights shall not be infringed. And that's why he's saying that his federal court or his federal court case of buying guns under the laws should be uh, nixed, which is just you know what's good for the crown and good for you, well, kind of thing. And that's just it, Corey. Like for me, th- I mean, the libertarian in me is going to come out again. For me, like the purpose of the federal government is just to preserve liber- liberty. Like that's all the federal government is supposed to do. And we have a situation where, I mean, I can I can even kind of get behind, like, not allowing violent felons to buy guns. And, like, there are very few exceptions that you or I or other Second Amendment people are willing to make for that right. But, like, yeah, you murder somebody and you get out of prison 30 years later, you probably shouldn't be able to buy a gun. Yeah, like, probably I'm kind, not. I'm kind of okay with it. But like we're we're at a situation now where if somebody is in, in this in this instance where if somebody is accused of domestic violence and somebody takes out a restraining order against you, you can have your second amendment second amendment rights taken away. That's not a, that's not a that's not a uh, an issue of like you were convicted of beating the shit out of your wife. Yeah, so that's the sticking point for me too, right? Like if you were convicted versus accused. Because the accusation could be something where you and your wife get in a tiff and she calls the police, but then she doesn't press charges, right? And if the case is dropped, should you still, because she accused you of hitting her, which would be domestic violence, still negate you from owning guns versus her actually holding up on her end of the the, the charge and you actually having to go to court and being convicted? If you're tried by a court of law for domestic violence, I believe, and you're convicted of it, then you should absolutely have your guns taken away. The accusations are tricky, but also at the same time, if the cops show up and she's the shit is just kicked the hell out of her, and she's like running out of the house going, he just beat me, he just beat me, 
Maybe there is some discrepancy. So, the cops go, hold on, we're going to take your guns while we figure this out. Yeah, okay, so that has to do with, like, being a danger to society, right? Right. So, um, Cause oral, I think arguments, that- the, uh, oral arguments, the justices appeared uh, receptive to, as you said, Solicitor General Elizabeth, uh, uh, what is it, Preligar's uh, argument that the prohibition fits within a long tradition of disarming people who are considered dangerous to society. I don't know. First of all, I don't know that that's true. And second of all, like that is it's that is a that fellows have lost their rights to guns. Sure. You, okay. So you know what? Yeah, absolutely. You're you're absolutely right. But like that's so fucking vague, right? And and we're we're at a spot where it's like, okay, who decides what a danger to society is? The because you, you you get that's you, why you I think yourself, it falls on the courts. You, the accusation well, you, thing, innocent until proven guilty. But you, the thing that scares me is you get yourself into this weird slippery slope, and I don't even like using the term slippery slope, but that's kind of what this is. Slippery where, slope, where it's like, who decides what a danger to society is? Like, if it's the courts, I still don't like the idea of. The government, whether it's the judicial branch, the or the legislative branch, or the executive branch, taking something as vague as a statement like "quote unquote" danger to society, right? Because it's like, well, what happens if Corey, maybe you and I are considered a danger to society because we're anti-establishment doing a podcast right now? Now all of a sudden, you know, the federal government uh, knocks on our door trying to take our guns away. Well, we're just no, how you know what I'd say. So go on, get get on out of here. <laughs> go on. You, you, understand, you understand my point, yeah, no, though, right? No. I just think that you're like, it, yeah, when you open Pandora's box, it creates a bunch of other implications that could have a negative effect on the freedoms of Americans as a general population. And then you also have, in this particular instance, you also have, I know, you know, certain folks don't like to hear this, but like you also have the possibility of like a vindictive woman or man, right? Could be a man. A man could do this to his wife or his husband or whatever. Uh, but where a spouse is pissed off and starts a fight and calls the cops and goes, my spouse is beating me up, man, woman, or otherwise. And she knows that this is going to get his precious guns taken away. Or he. Or they. Or Zim or Zer. Doesn't matter whether she's actually afraid of him having them or not. Correct. Yeah. So like that's the slippery slope that you run into when you when you are able to take people's second amendment rights second amendment rights away based on an accusation. That's why I think ultimately it has to come down to the courts. I don't like jumping the gun with the accusation. Now, like I said, each scenario is going to be drastically different to where if the police show up. And there's clear evidence that, like, even if, even if she's fine, right? But there's like drywall punches in the wall or holes she in the drywall, and and he's acting irate, and she's just like, I just want him out of here, or whatever. And he's like he could, saying he, wild he could, shit. He could be he could be acting irate because she was losing her shit and punching holes in the wall. You know, hey, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I get could, it. You just can't. But there, I feel like that. there's also a difference of going, "Hey, let's hold on to your gun so we figure this out," and then you losing the right to your Second Amendment. If that makes sense. 
I don't know. I didn't think we were ever going to come up with a scenario where I was more adamant about defending Second Amendment rights than you, Corey. Where have we gone? <laughs> and no, it's just yeah, it's just the nature of the show, I guess. I know I don't like the word accused either. I can see scenarios to where it's like it like it would have to be a black and white scenario where it's like okay, well clearly you need to have your guns taken away. Like I know people personally that they're in domestic disputes where uh the other person was doing things to this person and they were in the wrong and the police were like there to like break it up because the police were called and the person that was in the right in the scenario was saying if this person keeps it up i am going to shoot them (laughs) and they took the guns away from the person in the right because they didn't want something to happen to where my not being on the bar advice him was go dude just shut the fuck up (laughs) <laughs> you don't tell police things like that. <laughs> but if something like that were to happen where the guy's like, ah, this, if this bitch keeps it up, I'll put an end to it. I'll shut her up. It's like, okay, well, well, let's, let's hold on to your guns, Bubba, for a little bit. Well, <laughs> while we figure this out. Um, but overall, just like, if it's an accusation and, you know, I don't like that. I don't like someone losing their Second Amendment rights over an accusation. I or any rights. Not, not just Second Amendment, but any rights at or all. Or any rights, yeah. Um, that was a fun discussion. It just keeps going on about uh, whether or not. But the Supreme Court, you know, this, this dastardly conservative Supreme Court looking like they might actually, again, surprise a lot of people. In defending the rights of uh, victims, because like, at the same time, this is also like a big issue. Because like, Bell, look me up, fact check me real quick. But I think it's like seventy spouses are killed like a month in domestic violence disputes that were like oh, ongoing. Month? It's something really high like that. Yeah, like <laughs> like it's like it's like when I heard it too, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Actually, that number, like, we're sitting here like, oh, it's spot on. Yeah, one death is one death is. What'd you say? Seventy deaths is is a statistic. Seventy deaths is spot on average. Seventy deaths due to domestic disputes, domestic violence, every month. Yeah, you got to think about it. It actually kind of makes sense because it's like one point one point one five per state per month. That's probably about right. Yeah, and like so, like I'm about due process, right? Like if you're convicted, then yeah, I'm sorry you lose your right. But like I get the idea of it's heated. Like if there's if there's a heated shit happening, and then the cops show up and go, all right, well, let's let everyone calm down. We'll hold on to this because I know people who have had their guns taken away because like they have their CPL, their legally owned firearm. They get pulled over over some bullshit, and then like the gun has to be taken. Like they were arrested, but not based on their guns, but on other like bullshit. They ended up getting exonerated and they were completely cleared of their all of their shit. And they had to go back to the police station and get their gun back. They didn't get all their other guns taken, but the one that was on them. The one that was on them, yeah. And it's like it's almost like there's a big difference between like, hey, let's put a pause on this versus you're losing your right. I guess is what I'm saying. That statistic, by the way, was only women. Only women, women killed. killed by men in a domestic violence case. So, I mean, I'm 
I know that the numbers are extremely low for a woman killing a man in a domestic violence case, but you know, they, they still happen. Women typically use a, poison. Let's do just that call with it a few will. more. Yeah. Women statistically use poison. <laughs> That's true. Bell, fact check me on that. <laughs> I swear, women statistically use poison. But I just found it interesting that the Supreme Court is uh, this conservative Supreme Court that everyone was so afraid of that Trump appointed right. is like and just surprising us left and right, Dan. Right. And what's what's so interesting about this particular case is that like I think the multitude of other times that we've talked about this quote unquote conservative Supreme Court siding with the liberals, I think we've ge- I've generally agreed with their siding with the liberals. I think you have as well. Yeah. Um, on this one, I'm kind of not with them <laughs> for certain, for certain other reasons. Just on the fence, I get it. The, the, the thing of being accused, I feel like it's, uh, Unfortunately, it'd have to be on a real case by case scenario. There is no blanket staff for it. You know what I mean? Like if it's like if if a couple is just they're having a dispute and they're yelling and the windows are open and neighbors hear them, hear them yelling and the police show up and then they're both like, "No, nah, we were just in a heated argument. Like we didn't need you guys. Like nothing was going to happen. Guns don't need to be taken." And stuff like that. But like if one person calls the police on the other because they're literally beating the shit out of them or cups are getting thrown and the windows broken and you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's different. It's, it's, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I'm, I'm missing the word variables. That's the word. There's too many variables to just blanket it. With just if you're accused of domestic violence, you get your guns taken away. You're I agree with you on that. Cases, you're a case by case basis guy on this one. Yeah, very case by case basis. But if you're convicted of domestic violence, eh, you probably shouldn't own guns. If you're not responsible enough to keep your hands to yourself <laughs> over like one. dinner being cold, <laughs> <laughs> then you probably shouldn't own guns. <laughs> Corey, not not everybody's domestic violence disputes are fucking a scene out of Sling Blade. <laughs> I don't know, he's just a boy. Um, <laughs> I just I heard like a story like French fried okay, taters. You give your wife your lotto numbers every week, and then the week, and she always gets you a ticket. And the week she forgets, your your numbers would have won, and you hit her. You should probably, you should probably have your guns taken away. We probably shouldn't be laughing, but I just I heard that story. Not the part about the hitting, but like that story that that of that scenario happening where the guy would give his wife like his numbers that he wanted for the lotto like every single day. And she was gonna like she was buying him his tickets and she missed once and like he the week his numbers were called, he came home all excited and she's like, I forgot to do it this day. I'd be so upset. <laughs> I don't think you would hit your wife, though. No, but the drywall has a thing or two coming. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you. You probably would have. My to house hit has something. paneling, not drywall. Jokes on you guys. You probably would have to hit something, just not a person or a dog or a cat. <laughs> just. If any of the three, I'd hit the cat because they have nine lives. That's true. <laughs> 
That's that's a that's logic, one hundred and one. <laughs> Duh. Speaking. All right. So, since, um, no, well, hold on. Let me set this up because the, the, <laughs> because I, I'm pretty sure there are going to be quite a few listeners that listen to this episode and think that I was somehow shitting on women and defending domestic violence. Uh, Dan, you shit people. on women. Gross. Yeah. Well, some women like it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna de- we're gonna. Oh God, I can't even set this up anymore. <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of the Supreme Court. Something good for womb havers. You can't even call them women anymore, you misogynist. (laughs) (laughs) These goddamn goddamn baby makers. Now the blue hairs, the the blue and pink haired people and J.K. Rowling both hate me at the same time for the same episode. I'm retiring. Well, bye. (laughs) I can't win. I'm a straight white man. I can't win. And Maybe that is you winning. <laughs> Being a straight <laughs> white man. <laughs> Talk uh, about that white privilege, brother. Oh, my God. And, I, and, and I'm wearing a Michigan hat. Yeah. How much more privileged does it get? Yeah, and you're a cheater on top of it. <laughs> it shows Red over. Good night, everybody. From the, evangel- the evangelical right regarding abortion and cannabis. So this is something that I think is beautiful because of the fact that we kind of called this like, well, when did uh, Roe v. Wade get turned over? Like a year ago? Some time that nobody remembers, but was relatively recent. Yeah, it was like a year and a half ago at this point, maybe. Fuck, I don't know. But Roe v. Wade was turned over. And uh, ever since then, every single, virtually every single state that has put it on the ballot and left it up to the voters of that state has completely just shit on the chest of the evangelical right of the evangelical right yeah um they've thrown it back to the states and every state that has had the opportunity to vote based on the people have all voted for reproductive rights and body autonomy in their state adding it to like their constitutions and stuff the most recent one is ohio the the bell says uh, june of 2022 was when Roe v. Wade was turned over. So almost a year, year and a half ago. I was pretty over spot right. on with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so like since then we've seen Michigan, uh, Kentucky. I think Kansas was another one. Yep. I think Mississippi had something. I could be wrong. But Ohio, all of these different red states who have had uh, abortion on the ballot have gone – Pretty Virginia. libertarian and said no. What's up, Bill? Virginia, Virginia not yesterday. not not Mississippi. Mississippi is as as far as I know, they're you know stark red. You need to have okay, your toenails yes, ripped off if you have an abortion for any reason in Mississippi. But so there's a difference, right? There's a difference between the states who haven't had it on the ballot and their legislators made the votes because those ruby red states that let the legislators make the votes, yes, they have gotten more restrictive. But in any state that it's been on the ballot for the people, they have gone more pro-reproductive, pro-body autonomy, pro-abortion. and uh, Not pro-abortion, Corey. Nobody's pro-abortion. Pro-choice. No, pro-choice, yeah. But uh, Ohio is the most recent one. And they legalized cannabis, which is really going to hurt the Michigan cannabis industry. Because <laughs> you know all those fuckers are driving up to Michigan to buy their dope. Well, and what's so what's so interesting about 
I guess we'll start with the abortion one. We're seeing like the actual polling numbers bear out over and over and over and over again, which is which is that I believe it's eighty three percent of Americans believe in legalized abortion in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just as small as like, okay, well, only if the mother's health is in danger, right? But that's still being pro-choice, and I guess I guess that's not really pro-choice, but like being okay with an abortion being conducted under some circumstance. Only 17% of Americans are like, nope, no matter what, never, ever, ever should there ever be an abortion ever for any reason. Um, and we're we're just seeing that bear out over and over and over again when these are on the ballots, as you said, Corey, and like we're seeing it in more red states. So being in Michigan, we're pretty close to Ohio. We're pretty familiar with that state. Um, this is a state that, to me, is certainly a red state. It's not like ruby red because it's certainly voted Democratic Democratic in even recent elections. I believe they went for Obama in two thousand eight. Um, and maybe even 2012. I could be wrong about that one, but certainly 2008. Um, this is this is a state that is, you know, I would call it, I guess, pink. You know, kind of a magenta color, like mostly red, but blue. blue the, the the blue folks still have a shot. Yeah, um, and when we're talking about blue, we're talking about like Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland. Exactly. And what's up um, with the, having all of their fucking big cities start the letter C? Um, cunts? I don't know. Because uh, they're the armpit of America? I just felt like saying cunt. Um, oh, how I hate <laughs> Ohio State! <laughs> uh, but it's it's a state that's been traditionally red for a considerable amount of time. And what did this pass by? Uh, I have it here in front of me. Uh, uh, what was it, like 57%? 50, yes. I think that's the right number. Uh, 56% for marijuana and I think 50, I don't know, somewhere between 53 and 57. Um, marijuana is another one and marijuana, the voting for marijuana reminds me of like porn because like everyone watches it and it's like this billion dollar industry. But if you ask anyone, they go, Oh no, not for me. Not even once. Mm, mm. And, and like marijuana is kind of like the same thing where everyone's like, Oh no, gross marijuana. But for some reason it keeps passing in every single fucking state. Yeah, it's like because it's it's a thing that everybody realizes is not really that big of a deal. <laughs> I mean, it's just like <laughs> people people like to smoke marijuana. It's okay. It doesn't hurt anybody. Nobody's getting harmed by this. They're even fucking turning it tur- they're turning it into medicine in certain instances and giving it to kids with like uh epilepsy. Um, mito- epilepsy and mitochondrial diseases and other other certain things. Even they're using uh uh, what's that oil called? CBD? No, there's an oil. Uh, it starts with an R, I think. Bell, what's that oil? Um, Simpsons oil. Rick, Rick Simpson oil. Simpsons oil, right? What the fuck it's called? is that? It's Rick, no, listen, this guy developed an oil, and it's, it's THC. It's not CBD. And... That's the oil that people started giving their kids that were having seizures and stuff, and it stopped their seizures. Yeah, Rick Simpson. And it gets oil. you stoned. It gets you stoned. It gets you stoned. But like they've also used it for like like kids who are autistic who are like extremely. Uh, it's it's in minimal. Uh, what's the word? 
I forget the word, but like when they they like they they hit themselves and like they bash their heads against the wall and stuff like that. And right. One um, drop of Rick an, Simpson's oil actually like makes them just stop hurting themselves. Or um, a lot of nonverbal people, um, they'll take it and feel a little more relaxed and feel like talking and it kind of, you know, they give it the dogs the seizures. Them. Yeah. It's it's really crazy because it's not anything super complicated or anything. It's literally just some. It's black. It's just some weed tar, basically. And they put a little drop on their kid's tongue, and all of a sudden, their kid stops having seizures. Pretty wild stuff, Dan. But what happens when you mix it with kratom? <laughs> I don't know. I'll find out. I'll be the guinea pig. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's just, it's interesting to me to, and wild to see because it just completely, and like, what's crazy about it too is like, when they removed Roe v. Wade and how scary it was because we were treading into like uncharted waters on this that was based on a precedence that was, was around for 70 years. Um, It was scary, but all the states are figuring it out. And on the national level, you can now have politicians where we're not going to have people voting on single policy issues of whether or not a politician is pro or anti-abortion because of the fact that the states are settling it themselves. They'll still have. They'll still have. True. They'll still have their say on it, but it's not going to be one of the main focuses. I don't no, think. No, no, because here's, here's, here, here's what's going to happen. I, hopefully, I hope you're right. Oh, and I'm wrong. Hey, you have a guy like Mike you, Pence come out, and then he's the first one to drop out of the presidential race. First no, one to drop out, Dan. But you're, I understand that because there are other reasons why Mike Pence is a terrible presidential candidate. This is just one of them. I don't know that it tells you a whole lot. Um, but what, what you are, what, what you're going to have is you're going to have the Mike Pence types because we oh, we've already seen this that are going to now instead of like the reverse, which was that you know Roe v. Wade made basically getting an abortion anywhere in the country, you know, legal and safe and all that stuff. Now that Roe v. Wade's been overturned, now you're gonna have you're gonna have conservatives. We've already seen this trying to double try, down, try and push for a federal ban. So what's that gonna do? That's they still lose. gonna make it. That's still, but that's still gonna make it a single issue vote, Corey, because you're gonna have people on the right that are the, on the evangelical right mostly that are gonna be like, we have to get these politicians elected so that we can get this federal ban, and then there's gonna that's be fear mongering on the left. <laughs> That's going to go, we can't let these people get elected because if they do, there's going to be a federal ban. Like it's, it, I don't honestly, I don't think from that perspective, anything has changed as far as abortion being a ballot issue. But what actually, do you think the longevity of that is as the cars continue to, as the dust continues to settle and the states? I don't know. Out? How the fuck long did it take them to actually overturn Roe v. Wade? 50 some odd years? That's true. Should we be looking forward to that again? It's just from the it's just from the other side. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're probably right. People are stuck in their single issues and stuff. <laughs> but I feel like overall it's been it's tempered the uh Well then yeah, if, if the you velocity look at it like, of that argument. If you look at it like you and I do, with you know, taking off the emotional glasses for five seconds and going, Yeah, would I like a Roe v. Wade to still be in place? Yeah, I would. If I had my choice, I would say yes. I think you would too. I think Bell would say the same. Um, But when you take the glasses off for a second and you realize the fact that it was overturned, it's not the end of the world, folks. And like that's what we're starting to see 
when because it constantly keeps going in the right way and they're more solidified in the way it's going because now it's done through legislative stuff through it's getting put into constitutions versus just a precedent yeah it's getting put into state constitutions versus it just being a precedent set by the courts yes and when and roe v wade being a legally flimsy law anyway well now it's gone and now we have the states deciding and it's like like if you have a state like mississippi who's going to ban abortion altogether you know you can vote with your feet in that instance yeah you know you don't have you can you you can still go out of state and get an abortion and i think we're going to find that i don't think there this hasn't been talked about a whole lot but like (laughs) The states that are still super against abortion, like trying to make it illegal for you to go out of state and get an abortion. I think we found that that's constitutionally just absolute. That's even more flimsy constitutionally than Roe v. Wade was to start with. Like, if you're going to send it back to the states, you got to send it back to the states. If I live in Mississippi and can't get an abortion and I decide to go to wherever, Ohio, to get one, you can't you can't charge me for committing that crime outside of my state. Right. So I don't think people have I don't think people have much to worry about when it comes to that either. Yeah, no, it's uh it's just it's interesting to see because it's just blowing up on a twofold thing. Republicans really thought that they were gonna have the final say in the win. They thought it was a win. They really did. They thought it was a win. And it's blowing up in their face on a state by state basis. Their own constituencies are saying, No, fuck you. And then on top of that, constituencies on a globe on the on the national scale are also saying fuck you. And voting against Republicans based on this. Like, yes, yeah, so I guess it still is a single issue thing. You're right. Because yeah. the reason why the Republicans didn't get a huge sweep in the midterms was primarily because of this. Yeah. And so like the Ohio, the Ohio constitutional amendment is, is, is a really great example of like kind of what we're seeing across the board. So the amendment specifically declared an individual's right to quote, make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions and quote, Uh, including birth control, fertility treatments, miscarriage, and abortion. It allows the state to regulate the procedure uh, after viability as long as exceptions are provided for uh, cases in which doctor determined that the life or health of the woman is at risk. So basically, you can get an abortion up to viability, which traditionally is about 15 weeks, 12 to 15 weeks. quickening. That's based in common law all the way back to where we based our constitution on. And that's and that's just it. Like that's where most people are because you you have you have the you have the abortion fear mongers that are like, well, what about these late term abortions? These abortions that are being had at birth. It's like these fucking things aren't happening, dude. Like everybody realizes. I mean, unless it's like medically necessary. And I, I'll give you a, I'll give you a great example. I think I might have given it on the show before. I have a, a buddy of mine. Uh, he and his he and his wife got pregnant. Very very happy to have this baby. The baby's skull was just not developing. Oh. Like the baby's skull just stopped growing. Oh, and that it, sucks. It was definitely after fifteen weeks, and it was like the doctor was basically like like this kid's not gonna not gonna make it. But like, can you imagine a scenario where this woman had to carry this fucking pregnancy to term, knowing that she was essentially gonna have a stillbirth? That's torture. That's just straight. It's yeah, fucked that's, up. 
That's fucked up in every feasible scenario. But I can already hear the evangelical goofballs going, well, there could be a miracle. Like maybe the baby's skull will magically grow in the last three weeks and you'll have a perfectly healthy baby. It's just fucking bullshit. Could you imagine like if the baby actually survived though? Like this kid's just walking around with just no, no head, no skull. (laughs) Just no skull. That's fucked up. All right. Should we get on to our last topic that bell brought to the table? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, mine as well. Yeah. All right, Bell. You have the article ready, I'm assuming. Go ahead and uh lay this one on us. I can hear you. I'm gonna grab a beer. I think you're muted, Bell. Yeah, I can't hear him. Uh, I think I might be. I was laughing. So there he is. In Boston. Okay. In Boston and in Eastern Virginia. There has been a network of sophisticated high-end brothels. I'm going to read the article. A network of sophisticated high-end brothels in greater Boston and eastern Virginia provided sex for pay to elected officials, high-tech and pharmaceutical executives, doctors, military officers, government contractors that possess security clearances, professors, and others, according to federal prosecutors. Pick a profession. They're probably represented in this case at acting U.S. attorney for Massachusetts, Joshua Levy, at a press conference announcing the arrest of three people in connection with operating the pricey sex shops. Levy's office said that the brothels required interested sex buyers to provide employer information and references before booking sessions with prostitutes. So they had to have like a resume. Yeah. The brothels charge customers about $350 to upwards of $600 per hour, depending on the services, and were paid in cash, according to Levy's office. The appointments so from a with- to a Blumpkin? Oh, my gosh. $600 an hour. The appointments with sex workers allegedly took place in high-end apartment complexes where the rent was as much as $5,600 a month, authorities said. Two, two websites used to advertise services by prostitutes who worked at the brothels, including nude photos of women as well as their physical dimensions. Here to serve our wonderful Boston friends, one of the websites said, according to the image viewed by CNBC. Each website allegedly described a verification process that interested sex buyers undertook to be eligible for appointment bookings, including <laughs> that requiring. Was a process. <laughs> Just so funny. They are all vetted. They're all vetted. Like, uh, they what are you, some kind of narc? Right. And do you got the cash? Right. What are you, some kind of narc? Ah, that's fine anyways. Well, as long as you're paying. (laughs) Yeah, what are you, a cop? What kind of cop? Oh, you're the chief? Yeah, come on in. Listen to this shit. So, (laughs) the eligibility, like to find out eligibility, it included requiring clients to complete a form providing their full names, email address, (laughs) phone numbers, employer, and reference is this how is this like is this how Epstein black blackmailed people? Like you you can't come on my island unless I get all your credentials. I need your I have to security take, number. I have to take I, need- a, I have to I have to take a picture with you at some sort of like uh elite gala deal. So here's my question. When you have stuff like this going on, are they bringing all this stuff to light and charging all these people with this stuff and then in the end they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, that's what Epstein was doing." 
No, what I think is going to happen is I promise you, because of the fact that they're not dropping names and all these people, that none of those people are going to get busted for it. They're just going to bust the sex workers and the people that ran the brothels. Oh, that's such a good True. call, Corey. That's yeah. such a good call. They're gonna, that's they're gross. gonna, yeah, they're gonna fuck over the little guy and gal yep. on this. Yeah. Hey, but all like, those names okay, that so, they have, but, because now that it's dead to rights, they have all this information and all these elitists from like this whole area. None of them are getting busted. But it's. I almost want to so, look up the names of the people arrested. It's. I don't know if you'll find them. You can try, but like, public th- this is what. This is what makes me. Like every time something like this comes out, you start with Epstein. You start with this story about all these, you know, these elite folks engaging in uh, nefarious activity with escorts and brothels and stuff, and like all of these people that are like the pizza gators. You kind of have a little bit more sympathy for them after you keep hearing this stuff. Not that I think Pizzagate was real, but you get what I'm saying? Like, all of these people that think, like, all of these elites are just these fucking sex-crazed maniacs. Because they keep finding out that they are sex-crazed maniacs. I kind of think it might, there might be something to it. After yeah. after a little while, and 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 it almost makes you think, like, right? So you want to be a little bit empathetic, right? So put yourself in their shoes, right? So say you're they're just this, trying to get a nut. Yeah, like say you're this 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 high, uh, this high ranking official that you know some CEO or whatever. And he just wants and, some strange. And and no, it, but you have people coming up to you going. <laughs> even if you don't like, say you're the same person you are now, but like you get into this position. You have people coming up to you going, hey, I got a party I want to take you to, right? And then they take you to one of these places and like, I don't know, they give you some blow or they give you this or they give you that. And you go, wow, I kind of like this lifestyle. And then all of a sudden you just kind of get caught up in it. Like how much of it is that and how much of it is the fact that they're like sex crazed, goofy pedophile maniacs? I don't know. Or did... Or did that question not make sense at all? <laughs> I, just, I just want to quote from Josh Levy, the uh, Massachusetts prosecutor in, from uh, the Associated Press. Authorities have not named the people believed to have bought uh, services through the Of course the they didn't. <laughs> and none of them have been charged. But Levy stressed that the investigation is in its early stages and said that prosecutors are committed to holding accountable both who, those who ran the scheme and those who fueled the demand for this ring. Okay, so those who ran the scheme, are we talking about the ladies that were yes. just there dancing around and, and like getting paid? Or are we talking about those who actually ran the scheme? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> if That's it's a good elitist, question, if the elitists are the customers. The elitists had to trust someone who was had enough credibility to be trusted with all of this information. Isn't this just another example of why prostitution should be legal? Yes. I was going to say that. Yes. Prostitution should 100% be legal. Everybody does it. It's apparent. Until then, I want to give all of our listeners some advice. If you're picking up a prostitute, (laughs) whenever you get with her, Ask if you can just video record what's happening or him. I'm not here to judge, you know, or they, judge, or Zim, or, they, or, sir. or, them, or them, or there, or them, or he, she, whatever. If you're picking up a prostitute, ask if you can film 
the interaction because then you're just making a porno and you're not soliciting for sex. It's a little loophole. Corey, I, I, I have a feeling that your logic is flawed because I feel like there are a lot of actual prostitutes that would say, no, you can't film this. <laughs> and then you say, that's fine. The market's flush. I'll find someone what? else. Yeah, exactly. But you You're know, then you say, you can, you say, okay, fed. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, a cop's going to say, no, a, a hooker. Get, might a, get out no. of my wife's car. You fed. Uh, for fuck's sake. Anyway, this is... I'm no, actually the prostitution put, should be legalized and heavily regulated, and what it would do is it would save a lot of people from being uh, um, taken advantage of, exploited, and then it could be taxed, and then that's just another tax revenue for the government. But I feel like I feel like this is a story we're going to forget about. Bell, can we can we put you in charge of like keeping track of this story as it as it progresses? Oh yeah, I feel like this. I love this story. <laughs> I love All this right. story. So Bell's in charge of. Uh, we need him to do some investigative journalism. We need to send <laughs> Bell into these brothels <laughs> with his hat on, with the fedora. <laughs> I volunteer. <laughs> I volunteer. And then they're like, "Take your clothes off, make yourself feel comfortable." And he goes, "I'm keeping the hat on." Hey, I work hard, you know. I'm a hard this is what worker. He's tell him. I'm a hard worker. I keep the hat on. I'm, so I'm telling you guys, I'm a hard worker. I'll do anything. <laughs> I'm just seeing. I'm just seeing Bell standing there, butt ass naked, with his hat and his socks on. <laughs> just keeping his keeping his socks on. McEwen, this floor's dirty. No, no, no. For some reason, I'm picturing him also with like spats and like some like shiny like some shiny tuxedo shoes. But otherwise, butt ass naked. <laughs> I'll keep the shoes on. <laughs> but it's winter time, so I got these really long socks on. You know, it's goofy, Dan. Make sure you're picturing it right. Said <laughs> <laughs> Dan. Spats, long socks, maybe like a well ankle socks for me and you, Dan. They're long maybe socks like for a- Bell. fuck you maybe like some some, uh maybe like some shirt stays hanging down (laughs) 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 now now i'm just running all through a bunch of scenarios in my head we gotta we gotta fucking end this listing we gotta write this listing shit by ending the show but uh yeah prostitution should be legalized yeah, yeah, yes, okay. It's 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 weird to say, right? It's like, like I'm not a frequenter of prostitutes, but I think prostitution should be legalized. I think people no, get caught up in some bullshit over something that if you literally just threw a camera in the mix, it'd be called porn. Mm. I don't think you did this at the beginning of the show, Corey, but uh, tell the people where they can find us. I didn't. We blew it. It's okay. It's all right. The Absurdive Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is absurdiveshow.com. And we can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. Subscribe today for more prostitution tips from Corey. That's.
I'll keep you out of a jam. <laughs> Not today, Dan. All, I know. I had no, no, he's got. He had good internet tonight. He had really I, the I'm best. good. It was beautiful. You had the best internet of all of us. Yeah, you you have the best internet, Bell. Don't worry. The bestest boy. You interneted better than any of us. Anyway, that's Bell the Body Snatcher (laughs) on the ones and twos. This has been Libservative Intellectual Idiots Fostering Political and Cultural Literacy. Until next time, he's been Corey Walsh. He's Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative. And until next time, go blue! And we are out of here. We the people cannot turn back.